You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. These are Paul's words to the Philippians. But I also think it's his words to you and me. And so we've been doing this series. Uh, we started last week. Elliot started it. And he did a great introduction to Philippians. If, if you weren't here, I want to encourage you to, to watch that online or listen to it. And we're going through this book of Philippians. And so I'm excited. We're, we're continuing on the, the second half of chapter 1, which we just heard. Uh, I told Chris ahead of time that my notes accidentally printed front and back, so if I forget to flip the pages over, today's message will be half as long as normal. So it's a win. It, it might not make sense, but just jump along, you'll jump ahead each each other page. So um, Sarah introduced me to an app. You guys might probably have it on your phone. A lot of people do. It's the, it's the Nextdoor app, and it's an app that allows you to be able to communicate with people in your neighborhood, allow you to ask questions and so forth. Uh, and so I downloaded it because it was just, I wanted to have an opportunity to connect with people in my neighborhood. Turns out it's my neighborhood and other neighborhoods, and it's just been interesting. Like, my intention was to be able to communicate and, and see what's going on, and I, I haven't really uh, much at all, but... Uh, um, or communicated, but I have seen, uh, uh, my eyes have been opened to just the neighbors around me. You know, you'd pull into my neighborhood and I don't see or know any of these people. I drive by house by house by house and it's closed garage doors and there's people playing, maybe in their backyard, maybe you'll see them on the front patio, uh, do a little wave, but that's the extent of our connection. But then I get on this app and you see people that are, that are open and, and just vulnerable to complete strangers sharing about their life. Uh, as I was going through, there's someone that their father is living with them because his house and his business burned down to the ground and they had no insurance. As you're reading through, there's a lady that has been dealing with incredible anxiety because she's been stuck inside. She's scared of COVID, and, and, but she's also struggling with being inside. And so she's in this balance of, do I go out and, and interact with people? Do I stay in and stay safe? But that's where I'm getting depressed and anxious. There, there's someone that uh, the people are dealing with all kinds of stuff. There's people that just ask fun, random questions. They ask, you know, if you have any recommendations for Mexican restaurants. So I have a whole list now. I didn't send any your recommendations, but I got ones that we're going to try. Um, and there's all kinds of things people are communicating, but it's been interesting to see a glimpse into their life, to glimpse into the struggles that they're going through. People talking about sicknesses or having to move. People are just open with the hardships of life. Then there's also, it's been interesting to see people's personalities. Like I said, I don't know any of these people from anyone. Where Facebook, at least all those people uh, are my friends uh, at some point in my life. So I know a little bit about them. These people, I don't know anything. And so it's interesting to see them. I've learned some people love fireworks and some people really don't like fireworks. Like, especially fireworks shot off on July 3rd. That lit up the whole neighborhood. All these people, oh, it's not the 4th of July yet. And, and so they were upset. And when there's people that um, love having kids play in the streets. It's a great sign of like kids playing basketball. There's other people that say, oh, that's where we should be driving. And so, uh, you know, I guess that's probably true. Um, and so there's people that are fighting and, and passionate. There's people that are, there's some, there's one guy that's really funny. Um, and there's a couple people that are funny and share stuff. And there's one lady that she's just angry at, at the world. Like if, if there's a post about rainbows and kittens and unicorns talking, she would be complaining about it, right? And so it's just been interesting to see the difficult circumstances, the difficult people, 
the things, and these are complete strangers that I live next to, and to see a glimpse of what they're going through in their life. And just kind of opened my eyes to think about, man. And so this week I actually I prayed as I drove through our neighborhood. I tried to pray for the homes. And I don't know the people in those homes, but I know some of them are going through some hard stuff. I know some of them are going through life with hard people. And so this is what Paul talks about as we get into the second chapter. He's writing to the Philippians and he points out that there's difficult circumstances. There's difficult people. And how are we going to deal with that? We have to have the proper perspective. We have to be able to see what God wants us to do, how he wants us to live, to be able to interact with these people and, and these situations. And so in our passage, we'll, we'll start off here in verse 12. Chapter 1, verse 12. If you have one of those little journal books, uh, I want to encourage you. We have them at the coffee shop. I think that we're selling them for $5. I got them on Amazon for five ninety nine. So if you want to just order your own and pay $0.99 cents more, go for it. Um, but it's a neat little book uh, to be able to take notes as we're working through. And we're on verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. As uh, Elliot had shared with us, we have the book of Acts, which is the beginning of the early church. And in that book, we're introduced to Paul. And he ends up becoming the main character for the rest of the book of Acts. And in chapter 21, Paul is arrested. And so for the following chapters, we see his struggles, we see his life and as he's in captivity. And he's been shipwrecked. He's been bitten by poisonous snakes. There's been assassination attempts on his life. He's been beaten. He's been in chains. And this has been just the time that he's been in, in captivity. And so Paul is talking to us about this time in captivity. Yes, now he might be in a home, but there's still a Roman guard chained to him day and night. He never leaves that guard's side. People can come visit him, but he can't go anywhere. And for a guy that makes his life traveling and visiting and evangelizing, this has been a hard season on his life. Now he's stuck in this difficult circumstance surrounding his life. And yet Paul is somehow able to keep focus on Christ. He sees the good in it. He sees where the whole palace guard has come to know about Jesus because of Paul. Because everyone has to be, every guard has to be stuck three feet from him. So when they change the guards, he's got eight new hours with somebody new to tell him about Jesus Christ. He sees the opportunities in the midst of the hard times. He doesn't see these hard times as suffering, but he sees it as worthwhile for Christ. There's a missionary, David Livingstone, who was a missionary from England, and he went to Africa, and he, he had a really hard life. You can imagine uh, during that time what Africa was like, and, and the technologies and so forth were behind, and so he dealt with many diseases, he dealt with many struggles. And someone once asked him near the end of his life, and, and he said, people talk of the sacrifice I've made in spending so much of my life in Africa. It is an emphatically no sacrifice. Say rather it is a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, or danger, now and then, with a foregoing of the common conveniences and charities of this life, may make me pause and cause the spirit to waver and even the soul to sink, but only for a moment. 
all these are nothing when compared with the glory which shall be revealed in and for us. I never made a sacrifice. His whole life was a struggle. And yet he sees he never made a sacrifice because it was worth it for Christ. I think about that in our life, the, the sacrifices, the difficult circumstances we have. And, and you wonder, how am I going to make it through this hard time? And, and maybe part of how we get through this hard time is our perspective. Is if we could find ways that we're reaching out to, for Christ in the midst of this hard struggle. In the midst of this dead-end job that seems like it's just frustrating. Maybe God has you here to be able to witness to others. In the midst of this relationship, in the midst of this school, in the midst of whatever's going on, what could you be doing to glorify God in the midst of this? I was listening to a podcast about the underground church in China, and they talked about that COVID obviously has changed everything for everybody, but they said the fact that everyone now has to wear masks gave this church an opportunity. They were able to go and pass out masks, and with each mask, they were able to ask, would you like a Bible? And I thought about that and thought about, oh, uh, you know, this mask thing is sweeping the world. And this church found a way to bring Christ through the masks. And I thought, what a great thought. That in the midst of a hard circumstance, in the midst of a difficult, uh, unknown situation, they're bringing others to know about Jesus Christ. But sometimes the circumstances isn't our biggest struggle, Right? Sometimes when you, when you hear about the Nextdoor app and you're like, oh, those, those life situations sound hard, but the thing that kicked in was the people. Sometimes our biggest struggle is difficult people. And that was the same for Paul too. As we saw, verse 15, it says, he, he's telling the, the church in Philippi, it is true that some preach, preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. Just as today the church is divided, it was divided like that in that time. That the church without a, a doctrine, without the Bible, many churches would follow whatever the leader would believe doctrinally. And so there was people that disagreed with Paul. In fact, there's a lot of people that disagreed with Paul on different subjects. And so those, those preachers took the opportunity to preach louder. To try to gather people that were following Paul's ways and kind of say, hey, he's wrong. Come follow my ways. That there's this competition. And, and, and it's a crazy thing when you think, why would they be competing? But they were because ego and pride gets in. So here's Paul trapped, held captive. There's nothing he can do to, to defend himself against these accusations. There's nothing he can do to even correct people. And maybe they're teaching doctrine that's not what Paul is seeing. All they're doing is, a, is they're attacking. And he gets reports about people saying this and that about him. He gets reports about people pulling his followers uh, into a different direction. And his idea, his spirit, is amazing to see. That in the midst of being in front of difficult people, his perspective is still about Christ. For Paul, difficult people were others, were other preachers. For you and I, difficult people might be that coworker you're struggling with, might be that student that always seems to pick on you. 
For some of you, if we all have a friend that's always late, right? But they're late to everything. And if any of you are my friends, then that's me. I, I, I'm that person for you, right? Um, so I am always late. I'm late to everything. I hate being late, but I'm really good at it. And, and it, it's a struggle. And I have a ton of excuses. Uh, you know, I'll blame it on Sarah. I'll blame it on the kids. I'll blame it on a flat tire, uh, stopping to eat a Twinkies, uh, go on jo- jogging, whatever. There's a whole list. That last one obviously was made up. Not the Twinkie, but the jogging. And uh, so there's this idea that I don't know why, but I'm always late. And the reality is I just have a really short attention span. I get distracted easy, and I'm inevitably late to everything. And so for those of you that are dealing with difficult people, maybe that difficult person is me. Your grace has meant a lot. Because there's people that get upset when I'm late, and there's people that say, we get it. You're always late. And they start telling me to be there 15 minutes earlier than they actually expect me to be there. And it means a lot because they treat me with grace. They treat me with love. I know I'm that difficult person for a lot of people. You might be the difficult person. Or maybe you just deal with a lot of difficult people. And in those situations, we need to share God's love. John 13, Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples, if you love one another. If we love those difficult people, that person at work that just seems to drive you nuts, that person that's always late, that student that seems to pick on you, perhaps they might start loving you back. And even if they don't, would we really ever regret that we should someone Christ? Would we really ever regret that we had the proper perspective to show someone Jesus when we could show them the opposite? I've never regretted that option in my life. But there's obviously, for me, and I'm sure for you, there's times where I've regretted not showing Christ. The world is divided right now. Right? We see it every time you open up uh, a news source, every time you open up social media, people are fighting. And imagine if as Christians, we all just loved. We loved one another on social media instead of fighting back. We loved each other in person, face to face, instead of throwing attacks at one another. Imagine what it would be like if we shared God's love. People would know that we are Christ followers. They would know we are his disciples. If we would love one another. When we're dealing with difficult circumstances or difficult people, Paul sums it up in verse 18. He says, but what does it matter? And he's talking about those that are preaching, right? He says, what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Seems strange to think a guy in prison, a guy that's been shipwrecked, a guy that's been beaten, a guy that has a guard chained to him nonstop 24 hours a day while he sleeps, while he, while he uses a restroom, while he talks to his friends, and someone that's always chained to him would be able to say, in this, I rejoice. It seems crazy, but Paul had a singular focus, Jesus Christ. That in the midst of the hard times, he could still say, I rejoice, because he was able to point others to God. And I know that's not easy. It's, it's not easy to rejoice all the time, but we have to have the right perspective. We have to, to understand and have the right thinking to know how to be able to do that. 
I came across a, a funny story this week uh, about Jerusalem. Jerusalem has been attacked many times throughout its history, and and in the World War One, the the Ottoman mayor of Jerusalem, Hassan Al Hassani, didn't want the the religious relics and the temples to be broken broken down in the war, so he was willing to surrender when the British troops were at the edge of Jerusalem. And so he gathered his delegation and a white flag and he went to surrender and he came across what he thought was two British soldiers and and he explained, I am here to surrender to you. You have my city. Well, it ended up just being two cooks that got lost. They were out looking for eggs, right? And so they got lost and they laughed and they said, you can't surrender to us. We're nobodies in the British army. So the mayor and his group went to another group of soldiers. And this group of soldiers was two low-class sergeants and they were there just guarding a post. And the, the mayor comes dignified and he says, I surrender my city to you. And those two said, we can't take your surrender. We're nobodies, but we would like to take your picture. And so that's where... They get this picture. There's two British soldiers. It's a famous picture that the, the mayor of, of, of Jerusalem has now surrendered to these two low-level sergeants, right? So they say, what we can do is stay here. Uh, we'll, we'll send someone that's in charge. And they go and tell their leader. And their leader goes and he meets up with the mayor. The mayor gets dignified again, gathers his group, raises the white flag, and he surrenders. The, the surrender is taken and they take these guys back to the camp and it turns out that this level commander was not the one in charge. And so he reports to his general and the general says that surrender doesn't count. If it's not to me, it doesn't count. And so these guys gather together again. They raise the white flag and they surrender to the general that is there on the ground. And everyone thinks it's finally over. That, that surrender is reported up the line. And two days later, the general that is over the entire British army of that area comes. And the mayor has to gather his group again, get dressed again, raise the white flag again, and surrender for the fifth time the city of Jerusalem. If the mayor had known how this works, that how the hierarchy of the British army, it wasn't like that for him. And he didn't understand how the hierarchy of the British army works. He would have been able to avoid all this embarrassment. He would have been able to avoid the struggles that he had. But instead, he kept doing the wrong thing because he didn't have the proper perspective. And I feel the same as with us. That if we don't have the proper perspective to be able to focus on Jesus in the midst of everything, we often make foolish mistakes like the mayor might have or... We often fall into sin, into temptation, into struggles, into anger, into to gossip, into fighting, because we just don't have this perspective that is to be able to live and love towards everybody, to set an example for Christ, to be able to see that example. Is it easy? No. When Paul talks about in the midst of this, I, I rejoice. I read that. I'm like, man, how can he do that? Last week when I was writing this exact section, Sarah called and she said, how are you? And I said, oh, I'm good. I'm, I'm sitting here writing about this rejoicing and it's just crazy how he could rejoice in the prison. And I, and then I said, how are you? And I, I hadn't asked her yet how she was doing and she was calling because she was at her end, right? She was just fed up with the kids and she's like, I can't take it anymore. And, and her exact words, she said, well, that's great, but I don't feel like rejoicing right now. <laughs> and I think that's a feeling we all feel. I don't feel like rejoicing right now. And I'm sure Paul didn't feel like it, but he chose to. He chose to have a perspective focused on Christ. 
It wasn't driven by his feelings, which would have been, I don't feel happy he's being chained to this guard. I don't feel happy being confined and, and, and struggling with in my captivity. But he chose to rejoice. He chose to follow God. And so as we're facing these difficult circumstances, as we're facing these difficult people, we have to make a choice. You and I both do. Are we going to complain? Are we going to fight? Are we going to get angry? Are we going to go into despair? Are we going to go into temptations and struggles and sins? Are we going to have a perspective focused on Christ to be able to share his love with those people? To be able to share his love in the midst of this hard situation. Sarah and I are sitting there with our one-year-old and our three-year-old in a pile of suitcases ready to head to Taiwan. We were moving there for the next two years, and we didn't know what Taiwan would even be like. We'd never been there before, let alone we didn't know what this flight would be like. And it turns out the flight was horrible, right? We Imagine taking a one-year-old and a three-year-old on a flight across the world. And so we had a connection from Denver to Dallas, Dallas to Tokyo, Tokyo to Taipei. And so it was a rough trip, uh, Denver to Dallas, the, the one-year-old peed on me, and so I had to change my clothes uh, in the, in the um, airport bathroom in Dallas. Then the da- leg between Dallas and Tokyo, the three-year-old, we came to find out, gets airsick. We found out the hard way, right? We had started to get bumpy as we're coming into Tokyo, and we're like, oh, we've made it. It's been a long trip. The kids went to sleep. We've been crying. Uh, they've been crying. We're all crying. And then all of a sudden, up comes lunch, and it's airport food, and it's not nice, and it comes all over me. Well, I, those, I only had one spare outfit, and I'd, that already smelled like urine. And so now we, we're going through security in Tokyo, and I smell like urine and vomit as I'm carrying these kids. And we make our connection, and we go to Taipei, and at Taipei, we arrive, and everything is crazy. We've been up at this point for 20-some hours. We can't read anything. We can't understand anything. There's wild smells, and now we have a bus ride for two hours. And we get on this bus. It's in the middle of the night, and we have our two kids. And I remember this conversation with Sarah, that we sat there, and we were talking about how horrible this trip was. And we said... But if one person will come to know Christ while we're here for this two years, it's worth it. It's all about our perspective. In the midst of the worst traveling experience I've ever had, our perspective was it was about Jesus. And so it was worth it. I wonder if we could have that perspective in the midst of dealing with our neighbors, in the midst of dealing with our work, our struggles at home, our struggles at school. What if our perspective could be about Christ and we would be able to say it's all worth it. Paul closes out this chapter with near closes with verse 27. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. A manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. I read that and I think about him saying that he rejoices even though he's chained to a guard. And I see a man that's conducting himself worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then he says the entire imperial palace all knows about Jesus because he's been spending time preaching. He's been spending time spending his life acting in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And I hope that you and I could say that as well. That in the midst of our difficult circumstances, when we're facing those difficult people, that we could have the proper perspective 
that we'd be able to say we're living in a way that's worthy of the gospel of Christ. Because that gospel is that Jesus loved us. Jesus loved you and me so much that he came to earth. That he came down from heaven from his throne and he was willing to come for one sole purpose. To die on the cross. To take away our sins. To be the sacrifice for the wrongs that you and I have done. For the wrongs of mankind. And to be able to come and make that sacrifice. He had this perspective. He dealt with a lot of difficult circumstances. Dealt with a lot of difficult people. And all throughout that he had a focus. Which was his mission. Which was the good news. That he came and he died on the cross. And he rose again three days later. And he knew that this was the plan. That we would have our sins washed away. And if you don't have that perspective, if you haven't, had, if you don't have an eternal perspective of Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you, come talk to us. Because it's really hard to have the proper perspective in the midst of difficult circumstances if we don't already have an eternal perspective. If you don't already have that relationship with Jesus Christ, come see us in the prayer room. Talk to us afterwards. I'd love to talk to you about that about giving your life over to Jesus Christ, accepting him, getting baptized, following him with your life, repenting from our sins, because this is what Jesus came for, for each one of us. And so before we close out with one final worship song, we're going to transition to a time of communion. We have stations around the room, and and if you're at home, I want to encourage you to go grab some communion and partake with us. Be part of communion alongside each one of us here and each one of us in the city, in the, in the church down the street, the church across state lines, the church across the country. Throughout this day, people have been taking communion as a reminder that Jesus came and died for us and rose again. And let that be what we can look at. And in the midst of hard times, in the midst of hard people, we can rejoice because Jesus died and rose again. If you'll pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. And God, we lift up this morning that we could have a a perspective that's focused on you. As Paul says the example, in the midst of his hard times, he still was able to focus on you. And God, let us do that. There are people in this room that are facing really difficult circumstances. One's beyond anything that I could imagine. There's people in this room that are daily difficult, dealing with really difficult people. God, help us be able to show your love. Help us in the midst of these hard times to be able to rejoice. Because you would be proclaimed in our, in our actions. You would be proclaimed in our, in our words. That you would be proclaimed. Thank you for dying on the cross and for raising again. Thank you for our salvation and forgiveness. Lord, will you lift this up in your name? Amen.